Welcome to Liberty Frontier with Andrew Miles. What's good, everybody? This is the Liberty Frontier Show, episode one, and I'm your host, Andrew Miles. On this first episode, I feel like it's fitting that since it's the beginning, we talk about the beginnings of personal freedom, which is self-knowledge. Socrates' first law, know thyself. Now, the reason why self-knowledge is important is that if you lack it, you are doomed to repeat your mistakes. You will be a product of your upbringing and whatever hellish process that you went to, and you will essentially be reactionary for your entire life. You will lack the capacity to rationally observe and deal with events. Now, I first began my journey into self-knowledge when I was about 12 years old. I realized that I was incredibly impatient and it was causing me significant problems in my personal interactions with other kids. So, for example, if I was ever in a particularly confrontational moment with uh, some other kid, I'd feel hot tears welling up, I would choke up, and I'd really just be incapable of putting my best foot forward and, and dealing with the situation. As a result, I promised myself that I would practice patience and become a patient person. Even at that age, I fundamentally believed that personality traits were trainable, and I was proved correct. As it stands today, I really am a very patient person, and my, my training and my personal endeavor to become so has paid dividends. I am known among my friends and family now for being very chilled in almost any situation. And the reason why I'm telling you this is that you may feel as though you are stuck because you're a shy person, or you're bad at public speaking, or you are not very good at meeting new people, or you just have a short-fused temper, and that is why things rapidly escalate for you. The problem with those is that all of those are your personal beliefs about how you are, but they're not actually true. They don't have to be true. You can change them. Now, how I trained myself to become a patient person, I began with very simple techniques, breathing techniques, counting to 10. Anytime I felt that kind of frustration welling up within me, I would really focus on the breath. I would count to 10. I would force myself to take a step back and try and observe things from a third-party perspective rather than just being caught up in the moment and being reactionary. Over time, that practice went from being a conscious, deliberate attempt at managing my emotions to something that I now just do naturally. And this, of course, is the very normal, very typical learning process where you go from being unconscious, incompetent, consciously incompetent, consciously competent, to finally being unconsciously competent. So to put those uh, stages into perspective, before I realized that I had a patient's problem or a problem with my patients, I was unconsciously incompetent. When I realized I was consciously incompetent, when I started working to improve it, I became consciously competent. And that happened relatively quickly because those kinds of techniques 
do have quite a profound effect in the moment. And eventually, I reach the stage where I'm at today, where it takes no real effort for me to be a patient person whatsoever. It is now a personality trait for myself. Self-knowledge, however, goes far deeper than simple personality traits. It is really the fundamental thing for you to pursue if you want to live a good life in a very complicated world because ultimately self-knowledge is just knowledge. To know yourself, you must learn about the world. Learning about the world, if you allow it to, will educate you about yourself. You will see that you don't exist in isolation and many things which you take for granted are actually simply a product of the society that you grew up in. This is why it is no coincidence that people growing up in Saudi Arabia are Muslim and people growing up in the United States are more likely to be Christian, just as people raised in conservative households will likely vote conservative and people raised in labor, uh, liberal households will likely vote liberal. You see, many people never question what they are taught as they are growing up. They just accept that that is who they are. This is what my family does. This is how my society and my culture is. They make the mistake of confusing the culture for something real about themselves. Now, this is problematic because the culture, the society, your upbringing may have taught you beliefs or practices or habits which ultimately are harmful to you and which hold you back. And if you never make the steps to critically examine them, you will never live to the best of your experience and your ability. Self-knowledge has a great deal more in its favor as well. When you truly know who you are, you will say no to the right things and you will say yes to the right things because you will very easily be able to identify what is good for you and what is not good for you. Similarly, you will be able to identify the people who are good for you. This applies to your romantic relationships as well. So, for example, had I met my woman before I had undergone my process of self-knowledge, I'd never have recognized that she was the person that she was. I wouldn't have understood how good she would be for me. I wouldn't have known the right questions to ask to even find out. As it happened, I had the good fortune of really forging myself first. And so when I met her, I was very quickly able to identify the qualities and characteristics that I really needed to complement me in a romantic partner. Self-knowledge also helps you experience this kind of higher quality in all aspects of your life. It's very much like if you have gone your entire life eating junk food, you'll have no conception of what good food really is. And you may even, from time to time, taste good food, and it will taste shitty to you. Because you simply haven't developed the capability to truly understand it. Self-knowledge is like turning yourself from a fat slob into a Michelin star chef. You, you open up a whole new world of experience 
and really high quality, true, wonderful experience. Now, a lot of people don't pursue self-knowledge because quite frankly, it fucking sucks. It hurts. When you look to yourself, when you really dig deep into your soul, you have to face things that you keep buried the rest of the time. You have to go back to your childhood, to those moments where you were hurt and scared. You have to go back to those moments where you were the villain and you did bad and terrible things that you regret. And you have to confront all of those. And that really hurts. And when I did this, I spent a good three months really, really struggling. Really, really struggling to face up to the person that I had been. I felt a great deal of shame. For the first time in my life, I felt regret, which was something that I didn't think would be possible for me ever to experience. And... I very nearly cut the process short because I was finding it so difficult to face up to reality. Reality can really fucking suck sometimes. Another reason why people avoid it, on top of the pain that you will experience when you go through this, is that it's actually quite a difficult thing to do. It takes discipline. You have to be rigorous with yourself and you have to give yourself no let-up. Self-knowledge doesn't just occur with a few fleeting more, uh, thoughts from day to day. It occurs with sustained, effortful, thoughtful, internal examination, strategies, and practices. And that's not easy to do. And, and most people simply aren't at a point in their lives where they are able to do that. In fact, most people will never do that. They will go through their lives permanently as the reactionary, struggling, little more than wild beasts reacting to stimuli. Once you do gain the insight, the wisdom from self-knowledge, it doesn't actually necessarily improve the world for you right away. In fact, I found after I spent those three months that I felt quite depressed because Understanding yourself is understanding the world. And understanding the world can be really, really shitty. Because the world can be a really, really shitty place. You cannot put the toothpaste back into the tube, as they say. And once you let those demons out of hell, it almost seems like you will never be able to put them back. You, you really don't know how you can deal with them. Uh, everyday interactions become difficult because... Talking to people, when you have had that kind of profound awakening experience, becomes really boring. You know, when you have looked into the heart of darkness, when you have stared the beast of your inner self in the face, when you have really fought hard with philosophy, discipline, physical practices and you've really examined the meaningful aspects of life, the politics, the religions, the worldviews, the cultures, the societies, small talk becomes really boring. Talking about football, games, all this lame crap that keeps people distracted from day to day 
it just becomes confining. You finally see the cage that most people live in. You finally see the cage of entertainment, TV, talk shows, radio shows, yes, podcasts too, but the fact that most people are using those things to prevent them from looking internally. They are using those things as a plaster, a band-aid, to cover up the pain and the hurt that they feel day to day. That is the cage of society, that is the cage of culture that keeps you, that keeps you down, keeps you chained down. Most people live in it, and most people pretend that they're happy in it. And when you see that, it sucks. And what's more, when you do try and talk about these important things, if you try and talk to your friends about this incredible voyage of self-discovery that you're going on, it'll make them really uncomfortable. They won't understand it because you can't understand it unless you've been through it. Worse than that, they'll feel like you are judging them. Though it is quite the opposite, you finally have the understanding to not judge them because you realize that you were the same, they will feel like your experience is a slight on their existence. The fact that you are saying you have found something better to them means you are saying what they have is shit. And yeah, it is shit. But the right response to being told that what you have is shit isn't, fuck you, I like my shit, and I'm going to keep it, you bastard. It's, oh god, why am I holding shit? Why am I clinging to shit when there is gold in the world? When there is a mountain of gold that I can claim if only I drop the shit? Unfortunately, very few people will see that. Very few people will drop the shit and pursue the gold. I feel like that metaphor has outstayed its welcome. But you get the point. You will have outgrown how shallow everything is. You will have awakened your taste buds to the prime steak, the blue rare steak of life, while everybody else is still eating turkey, dinosaurs, and fish fingers, and packet noodles. You will be training yourself to climb the mountain while everybody else is milling around at the bottom of a hill saying how difficult it is to walk up. That can, make, that can be very problematic for your relationships and do not be surprised when you pursue self-knowledge if you find it very difficult to keep the friends that you currently have. Now, I'm very fortunate in that my best friend, my closest friend, and my woman all actually enjoy engaging in and talking about serious things. But even amongst them, I can't talk to all of them in this way. I can't talk to all of them in that level of depth and really go into the painful parts of self-discovery with them. They're just not ready for it. And you can't change people and you can't make them be ready for it. So, if you're listening to this, then I'm assuming that you do actually want to put yourself through the pain, and hopefully I haven't scared you off of it, because, trust me, it is worth it. Life does get better when you see clearly. You know, high definition is better. I promise. Well, 
one of the first things you can do is read more quality books, read more philosophy, read good books which challenge your current world views. If you are not consistently challenging what you are believe what you believe, you're not growing. You are living in an echo chamber where you say yes and you hear yes, 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 yes. And nothing changes and you will stay the same and staying the same is tantamount to death. Because if you're not growing, living things grow. Dying things don't grow. Read good books. The basics never get old. Things like Meditations by Marcus Aurelius and things like the Art of War by Sun Tzu. These are timeless lessons, and the reason why they're timeless is because they speak to the heart of how things are. They get to reality. Exercise is another superlative way of reaching self-knowledge, and if you don't exercise, and if you have excuses for it, and if you think, oh, I'm a man of the brain and not a man of the body, then you don't get it. Quite frankly, you don't understand that the body leads the brain. If you're lying down and you stay lying down and you stay lazy, what stimulus does your brain have to work harder? I mean, bearing in mind just the physiological benefits of exercise, obviously improved oxygenation, improved stamina, improved ability to focus, you know, those things all benefit your more scholarly pursuits. But ignoring all those things, exercise really fundamentally changes how you think when you do it. You can be in a shit mood, go have a workout, and feel amazing afterwards. And that's powerful, and that's part of self-knowledge. Something else that you can do is whenever you feel a certain way, say you read something and it makes you feel angry, stop and think, why am I angry? This is the non-judgmental examination of your own feelings. Why are you angry? Why are you sad? Why are you jealous or envious? Why do you have these feelings? What you will discover is that actually most of those feelings that you think are caused by something, say an article you've read or your girlfriend did something that pissed you off, those are the proximate causes, but they are not the primal prime mover causes. They are not the deep-rooted seat of why you are feeling like that. So let me give an example. Imagine that your girlfriend drops a glass and it smashes and you get angry and you shout at her. Now, if you look at that from a third-party perspective, getting angry because an inanimate object that you can replace for pennies is fundamentally irrational. Even if it was an expensive object, it is but an object. It really doesn't, it really shouldn't, have any ownership over your mental state. It's something which does essentially nothing. It, it's If it's a glass, you know, it has basically one use. Maybe it can hold flowers. The point is, a glass isn't something that adds meaning to your life. And if a glass is broken, you can get another glass. It's not difficult to clean up. And it's an accident. She didn't do it maliciously despite you. So wherefore the anger? 
beware for the anger. The anger probably comes on reflection from the fact that you've just had a really stressful day at work or a project that you've been working on got canned or something that you were really excited about failed. That anger is probably coming from somewhere else completely different in your life and you're unfairly taking it out on your girlfriend. The more that you follow this exercise, the more that you try and step back and examine your feelings without judgment, the more you'll realize that most of your feelings that occur in the moment aren't to do with the moment. They come from something else previously. And everybody, everybody, even after you have been through the process of self-knowledge, everybody bottles things up longer than they should. And those things come out when you least want them to at the least appropriate times. Another thing that you can do is pursue new experiences, particularly experiences which scare you. If you're only pursuing new experiences which you know you'll be very comfortable with you, then once again, you're not growing particularly much. You know, I love trying new food, but I'm pretty certain that virtually any new food I try, I'm going to like because I have a broad palate. I like a lot of different things. And so at best, I gain a superficial experience of, oh, yeah, I do like this. Now contrast that to somebody who grows up thinking they hate fish and yet they then when they're older they decide to be brave, they try a fish dish and they love it. Now they have had a whole worldview overturned for them. And it's something relatively trivial, like the tastes, you know, your tastes, the food you kind of like, but it's a categorically different type of experience. And this can go further. So I'm pretty athletic and so trying new sports doesn't scare me but trying extreme sports now that does scare me because I've done the ones that aren't very extreme you know I've played tennis I've played badminton I've played rugby which I guess is more extreme than badminton but it's certainly not on the order of jumping out of a plane with a wingsuit on or skiing down a mountain at 100 miles an hour those new experiences would change something about me fundamentally because they would throw at me something new in life that I had never confronted in myself before. And I know that, and I'm scared of them, but at some point, I'll make myself do them. But any experience can be a teacher. Any new experience can be a teacher. And so the more you say yes to things, new and interesting things, the more you will learn about yourself. Meditation is something that a lot of people talk about and a lot of people are turned off because they think it's a bit woo, they think it's a bit mystical, but really meditation can be as simple as sitting down wherever you are and just observing your thoughts as they appear. Once again, non-judgmentally, observe your thoughts as they appear because everybody is lost in thought, you know, you, you sit down and you have a hundred thoughts happening, happening all at once in your head, things flying in from left and right. It's very chaotic. I don't know about you, but my head can be very, very chaotic. But you sit down, you examine your thoughts, maybe you focus on one in particular and you just watch it. You watch it come into and out of your head. And you do this for half an hour, and that's a form of meditation, and in that time, you can learn something. 
I think I'll go into meditation more in another podcast. But for now, I think I'll leave it as just try some stillness. Just try setting aside half an hour in a day where you have no distractions and you can experience stillness in your life. Try to quiet that overwhelming rush of thoughts in your head. It won't be easy. Now, a really fundamental part of self-knowledge has to be, has to be, examining your childhood because a lot of a lot of the way that you react to things now will be due to things that you learned when you were a child and a lot of people ultimately wind up using their childhood as an excuse for their failings now that is a viable excuse up until the point at which you say no more up until the point where you say no more, and the reason why you say no more is because you've examined your childhood and you've said, ah, I see, this happened as a kid and that's why I do this as an adult. But now you know that, you can change it. You can take steps to improve your life and to modify and to build the better, newer you, the better habits that you need. Throughout all of this process, throughout all of these strategies and tips and, 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 and philosophies, you need to take yourself seriously and you really, really have to take the process of self-knowledge seriously. If you don't believe in yourself, hell, uh, sure as hell, no one else is going to. But more than that, if you don't take yourself seriously, you will never be able to go through with this. And you will remain exactly as you are probably embittered because you will say, oh, it didn't work for me. But it didn't work for you because you didn't work for it. Now, I like to think of self-knowledge as your real education. People think about formal schooling as an education. It's not really. Everything you learn in school, you could go to a library, look up a book, find videos of lecturers, Especially with access to the internet now, you can do all of that on your own, but you have to, you have to do self-knowledge on your own. There's no other way. And that's your real education. And when you do it for yourself, you figure out about yourself, you will figure out the world. Suddenly, everything will look different. What used to be black will now be white, and what used to be white will now be black. What used to be left will now be right. What used to be up will now be down. My entire worldview practically turned upside down. Things that I thought to be fundamental truths, moral goods, turned out to be disastrous evils and really quite malicious falsehoods. And I look back on, on, on that kind of pre-awakening process in a state of wonder at how I was just sleepwalking through the world. I really knew nothing. Nothing whatsoever. And then I began to know something, and I realized that everything I knew was wrong, and that I had a whole heck of a lot more to learn. And ultimately, self-knowledge is just the beginning. Though it is a lifelong pursuit, it is just the beginning of who you are. It will tell you that you have a long way to go. It will tell you that you can be great. And it will tell you that nothing is handed to you. You've got to work for it. You've got to do it for yourself. If you do, 
you can change history. You can change the pattern of history. Those mistakes that you are currently repeating, like a broken record player, you will be that mark. You will make that mark in time where everything changes. The grandmother who hit the mother, who hit the child, the child will no longer hit their child. You can be the person who makes the change, who draws the line in the sand and says, from now on, it's going to be this way and it's going to be my way. My life is going to be my way. So that's a bit of an introduction into self-knowledge. Liberty Frontier, I really want to talk about the, the philosophies, the strategies of personal freedom. It all begins with self-knowledge, but there's a heck of a lot more to it. So if you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to the channel and keep a lookout for updates. If you go to libertyfrontier.com, you can sign up for my newsletter and you will get free updates whenever I publish a new post or a new Liberty Frontier show. In the meantime, if you have any questions, comments, or criticisms, you can get me on Twitter, at Miles High Life, or on libertyfrontier.com, sign up to my newsletter, hit reply, and I'm just there on the other side, and I reply to everything. So that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed the show, and I will talk to you next time. Mm-hmm.